Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire, back to Lafleur. Oh! The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. <laughs> there is a fall! Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoins, on lui fait perdre la rondelle une passe devant. Et c'est la You found the dogs! John, you found the dogs! He found the dogs! And all together they worked a young team to the top. And now a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La TV. It's gonna be sick. Matt O'Han with you on this Friday night. Uh, no more Canadians hockey, but don't worry. We still got plenty and plenty and plenty of things to get to when it comes to the Canadians. Uh, Tony is off as per usual. If you're not familiar with the format, he goes Monday to Thursday. I go Friday nights. All right. Uh, the sick podcast is brought to you by energy transportation group. Energy transportation group is a leading full service logistics provider serving all of North America driven to be different. We're also brought to you by La Bita TB beer, uh, brewed in Quebec and a winner of dozen international awards. La Bita TB offers quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients for everyone's taste. La Bita TB embrace your true nature and by playground they have over 600 machines poker tournaments and playground casino games daily promotions and unmatched customer service why go anywhere else located just over the mercier bridge only minutes away from downtown montreal i don't know if it's coming through on camera but i am uh, i don't know if anyone's noticed uh, i am growing a mustache i'm keeping the beard i can't remember the last time i uh shaved my face uh with a with a razor but uh the mustache is coming in i mean i was kind of just i just shaved my face the other day and i always leave my mustache for last and i uh, looked at myself in the mirror and i said ah, it doesn't actually look too terrible i'm just gonna i'm gonna try this on and see how uh see how the people like it um so that's that. Uh, I don't know if also if you're not following me on Twitter, I also um, I committed to running a half marathon by the end of July, which uh, probably wasn't uh, the smartest decision. But hey, I mean, we're going to do it. We're going to we're, we're going to run a half marathon. Tony made his uh, weight loss commitment on uh, BPM Sport. So uh, I felt inspired. A friend of mine, uh, he wanted to run 30 kilometers before his wedding. So I said, hey, Let's run a half marathon together uh, at the end of July. So that's what's new in my life. Uh, let's bring in our guest. Uh, he is from the Montreal Gazette. His name is Stu Cowan, a regular on Friday nights. Stu, how are we doing? I'm doing really well. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I'm. Uh, I don't know. What was it? What's? Have you ever been into the running at all? I hate running. I remember yeah, I, yeah. I, high school memories or gym class, the old Canadian uh, fitness tests on the 12 minute run. That and the flexed arm hang were the two things I hated. Oh yeah, the beep, the, the old beep test. I, I yeah, didn't do too well it. on that when I was in high school. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, it, it was just one of those things that, you know, because uh, as someone who works a desk job, I, I mean, I don't move very much. So I was in the gym. I'm, I'm in the gym almost every day. And I'm, I always start out with 30 minutes of running, which I started off hating. And then I started to hate it a little less because I make it a competition with myself now, which is a way to trick myself into thinking mm-hmm. I like it. So I said, hey, let's go for the half marathon. Um I used yeah. to rollerblade a long time ago, but I haven't done that in a while. But uh, I do have a stationary bike I use because at least I can watch TV while I do it. But uh, jog, yeah. I've never, I've never got into the running thing. It's never been my thing. Yeah, I'm still waiting for the part where everyone says, you know, oh, it's addictive. It's so addictive. You get, <laughs> you get the runners high, and I'm like, I'm still waiting for that moment to happen to me. Uh, anyways, uh, let's let's talk Montreal Canadiens. They just wrapped up their season last night and a five four loss to the Bruins. Um, so they, they, uh, they finished fifth to last in the NHL. I'm sure a lot of Canadians fans were happy about that, including my friend, Matt Azen, who I went to the hockey game with, who cheered. It was the first time in my life I had ever seen him cheer for another team that wasn't the Canadians. Uh, when I forget who scored the game winning goal, but uh, when the Bruins scored the fifth goal, he jumped out of his seat. He was all excited. Um, so yeah, I mean, Canadians fans, I guess a a lot of them are happy with the 8.5%. But uh, here we are at the end of the season. And I got to say, you know, just with the weather this past week, it was uh, it was pretty crazy to think that I was walking into the Bell Center. I could have walked into the Bell Center in shorts and it wasn't the playoffs. I mean, it's just it's not the same. No, it's not. I mean, I took the bus. I live in Brossard and I, I jumped on the bus yesterday afternoon to go downtown for the game. And I ran into a couple of buddies of mine on the bus, both wearing golf shirts and T-shirts. Uh, t-shirts and shorts, sorry. Uh, and they were going downtown to first have a couple of beers on a terrace, and then they were going to the game. And it did have it had that playoff feel, right? It was. Uh, it really uh, I think back to when the Canes went to the Stanley Cup final in 2021, when they were only allowed like 2,500 fans in the Bell Center. And you know, the one the year the Canes finally get it to the Stanley Cup final, they can't nobody hardly anybody get into the Bell Center. But uh, yeah, I mean Montreal, it's playoff weather, and it seems weird from somebody my age who grew up in the Habs, not only made the playoffs every year, they won the Stanley Cup almost every year. It's weird uh, not having playoffs in Montreal. Uh, but, you know, the news conference today with Jeff Gordon and Kent Hughes, they're on the right path. I mean, winning the Stanley Cup in a 32-team league with the salary cap is not easy. Just getting in the playoffs isn't easy. But this is a team that is on the right path as far as a rebuild towards bringing playoff hockey Back to Montreal, it was interesting. One of the things that uh, Ken Hughes said today, you know, going into next season, they're not going in saying we have to make the playoffs, mm. but they, he, he thinks they, they have a shot at making the playoffs next season. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. I mean, a lot of things can change between now and the start of the season. You know, if they win the draft lottery at Connor Bedard, their odds of making the playoff next season are a lot better. But they're taking it step by step. But I thought uh, the first full season of the rebuild, when you factor in all the injuries and everything else, 13-point improvement in the standings. They moved up from 32nd to 28. Uh, so there's there's signs for hope that uh, playoff hockey could return to Montreal in the next couple of years. Yeah, and you know what? I'm not going to go out on a limb already and make the way-too-early prediction of the Canadians making the playoffs, but you, know, you just don't need to look any further than the Seattle Kraken, right? I mean, they were... Jersey Devils, too. Well, there you go. Like, well, the Devils were were bad for a while, but like the Kraken, their first NHL season last year, everyone kind of half expecting, you know, them to pull a Vegas and, you know, crack into the playoffs, uh, no pun intended. But, you know, but 
it didn't happen. And the reality set in that they were an expansion team and they played like an expansion team. Second season, they're in the playoffs. So, I mean, I, it's definitely possible. Um, I don't want to get people's hopes up, I, you know, if people take my word as the word of gospel. Um, but, you know, it's it's one thing that the NHL is just such a weird league. It, it really is. And it makes for you know, the best competition because, you know, you can't really tell at the beginning of a season uh, who on the bubble is going to make it and who won't because, you know, at this point, I mean, everyone kind of expects the Penguins to make it every year and they did it. It yeah. was, it's a, it's a, you know, they, a lot of it, people have been saying it's the first time in 15 years. It's not the first time in 15 years. The Canadians technically eliminated them from playoff contention in the COVID year. Um, but, you know, that, it, you know, it, it just goes to show you, you know, Anything could happen, and and it that really holds true in the NHL more than any other sport I find. Well, I mean, you think it's you think the Bruins will win the Stanley Cup this season easily, until you think that the President's Trophy, I think it was '86, was the first year it was handed out to the regular season champion. There's only eight teams that won the President's Trophy since then that went out to win the Stanley Cup, and nobody's done it in the last ten years. So, would you be totally, totally shocked if the Bruins got knocked out in the first round? I wouldn't be. I mean, they mm -hmm. should win, but it wouldn't be a total shock if they lost. Um, you know, I think back a few years ago, it was Tampa Bay had a crazy regular season, finished way ahead of everybody else. They got swept in the first round by Columbus. You're right, the NHL playoffs are crazy. You, know, you get a hot goalie, you get a team that has home ice advantage and loses the first game at home, maybe the first two at home. The whole series swings from there. And, uh, I mean, who would have thought the Canadians would go to the Stanley Cup final in 2021? You know, nobody. <laughs> you know, yeah. Harry Price stood on his head. Their four big defensemen played great. Uh, they got some breaks here and there. Alex Galchenyuk's blind pass uh, in the offensive zone, leading to the two-on-one breakaway the other way with Suzuki and Caulfield. And Kane's going to win the series. So that was part of what makes the NHL playoffs so great is the unpredictability. And the first round of the playoffs are always fantastic. I mean, you know, Tampa Bay, Toronto. Toronto mm -hmm. should win this season. But people said last season that they should win, and they didn't. <laughs> And they haven't won a first-round playoff series. I think it's 2004, the last time they won a first-round playoff series. So the first-round playoffs I love. It's great. It's, it's it's fantastic hockey, and there's always upsets. That's part of what makes it so good. Yeah, and, you know, I, I can't wait for the first round of the playoffs to begin. Uh, I was very, very pleased to hear when I uh, spoke, uh, spoke on the phone with a friend of mine because, you know, there's just so much going on, and you can't keep track of everything. I'm trying to keep up with the NBA play-in tournament. Yeah. I'm trying to keep up with the MLB season. And I was just, you know, standard thinking, expecting the playoffs to start on Tuesday. No, they yeah. start on Monday. So that's great news because uh, mm -hmm. I really can't wait. That, that, really, you said it best. There is really nothing for my money it's the best playoffs sport you could watch is the first round of the nhl playoffs well the nhl playoffs to me are the, the best they're the the toughest it's the toughest trophy to win in pro yeah. sports I, I mean i'll argue anybody but i mean they play 82 games just to get to the playoffs and then four rounds of the playoffs you can play another 28 games if they all go seven you're playing every second night uh with the physical grind and the travel it's it's a marathon it's you're talking about running a half marathon this summer, the NHL playoffs are an incredible grind. Well, and yeah. I always, you know, after teams are eliminated, especially once they go to the final, and then you find out all the injuries these guys played through. And it's crazy. You know, I mean, today with the Canadians, we found out about the injuries of Monaghan and Gallagher. You know, we, we knew Monaghan had been playing on a broken foot. Uh, we found out Gallagher was playing on a broken ankle. He broke the same ankle twice this season. It's, it's the, what hockey players put their bodies through is absolutely crazy. It really is.
so you know what let's let's jump into it and whenever whenever i bring up a player because we're going to give our player grades for every player or most players that uh that played this season um because i mean if we gave every player i mean we'd be here till uh till next week with all the players that played for the Habs. but uh so we'll we'll give for most players we'll give them a letter grade um and then Whenever we give that grade, you jump in with uh, something that may have stuck out to you in the postmortem uh, w- with regards to that player. Right. Uh, so that that's the way we're going to do it. So uh, let's start off with uh, with an with an easy one. We'll th- we'll throw out the softball. Uh, Nick Suzuki. He is one of two players that I said I will be giving an A. Uh, I, I thought you know for for this guy to have his first season as captain um, go the way that it did with all the injuries and, you know, the constant changing of the line mates, especially once Cole Caulfield and Kirby doc went down, you know, this guy had next to no consistency. And it's funny that that was the case because he was basically the only consistent part of the Canadians night in night out. Cause he played all 82 games, uh, which is, you know, more than enough reason to give him an a, but not only that with all those inconsistent line mates and all that, he still managed to put up a career high in goals and put up a very good number of points. So, uh, he gets an a for me. Yeah, I agree. Career high goals, career high points. He tied Cole Caulfield. Finally, last night, somebody caught up to Cole yep. Caulfield's yep. <laughs> uh, uh, goal totals, but you're right. I mean, the only guy to play, the only Canadian to play in all 82 games this season, the only Canadian to play in all 82 games last season. Hmm. And you're right. I mean, you know, he, had, he finished with 60 something points. I mean, the exact number, 60, but I think it was 64. Yeah, but or 66. You know, it only ranks around 80th in the NHL. But as you said, he played with a, I mean, he lost Cole Caulfield for the last 30 odd games as his line mate. I mean, how many more assists would he have had on Caulfield goals mm-hmm. right there? Um, he was playing with AHL line mates at one point. He had Yule Army and Jonathan Droy as his linemates last night. Uh, he's had he's played with everybody. And the thing with the really impressive about Suzuki, and I had a, a chat with Mike Matheson about him, and he said he just leads by example. He's just he's not a guy who talks a lot. He's not a guy who's a big you know, rah 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 type guy. He just shows up every day and he does his job. And for other guys, it's sort of like let's get on, let's follow this guy. And it's unfair to to compare. Anybody really to Sidney Crosby, but Mike Matheson played with Sidney Crosby for two seasons as a captain. And he said he sees similarities in the leadership qualities of both of them. And that he said Crosby was never a rah-rah guy, never a big talker guy, but he just showed up every day and he worked hard at every practice and he worked hard at every game and he, he gave it his all and he blocked shots and he did everything, all the stuff that Nick Suzuki does. And he said that he also, because Crosby didn't speak a lot, when he did speak, when the time was right to speak, everybody listened. It was like silence and everybody listened. And Bob Ganey was the same type of a captain. I spoke with guys who played with him. He didn't speak a lot, but when he did, everybody listened. And I don't think Nick Suzuki has really found his voice yet. He's only 23 years old. He's the captain of the Canadians. I think he's still leaning into that a little bit. Uh, Joel Edmondson helped him a lot in the leadership role this year. I know that. I know Josh Anderson did. A big adjustment for for a guy, not only the weight of the captaincy, the weight, the first year of his big contract, um, yeah. so much weight, so much pressure on him. And he just, he showed up every game. Uh, the longest stretch you went without a point was five games. He had 19 multi-point games, I think it was. And he did just a little bit of everything. I mean, that shorthanded goal he scored against the Islanders. And then, you know, the game against uh, Boston last night, it's a, a meaningless game where a loss helps them more than a win. And 
five minutes left in the game. Here's Nick Suzuki blocking shots still. So it's just that, that leadership by example. And he sets a really good example for this team. Uh, I spoke with him today after when they had their post-mortem news conference, and he said he's going to spend the summer again in Montreal. He's, you know, he might go home for maybe a week or two, but he's planning to be here and go to the Grand Prix and go to the festivals and be. He's become the face of the Canadians for so many years. It was Carey Price, and now Cole, Nick Suzuki is becoming the face of the Canadians, along with Cole, with Cole Caulfield, but more so Nick Suzuki because he wears a C uh, uh, on his shoulder, and he's just when you're around him, he's just he's. he's I can't, shouldn't call him a kid because he's a captain of the Canes, but he's just, <laughs> he, he's, he's a good, he's a good guy. Like he's just, he's, he, he comes across as a really good person. And that's the kind of culture that Marty St. Louis is trying to build in the locker room. As he said, he wants everyday guys. He wants good people. And Nick Suzuki is one of those guys. And he's, he's the, was a, the right captain for this time. Um, you know, I thought Brendan Gallagher would have been a great captain of the Canadians, but when they named Suzuki captain, we didn't know if Gallagher what his health would be this season. We didn't know if the Kings were going to try and trade him. If he stayed healthy, it would mean he might be captain for a year or two. Then it could be somebody else. So now you have a captain in place who's going to be captain for the foreseeable future. And I agree with you. I need for Nick Suzuki this season. Yeah. And you know what, just to, just to close on it. And you, you know, you, you, you touched on it. It's just, even as someone who doesn't have locker room access, it's very apparent that, you know, He's coming to work every day and he is doing his job and he is going out there and he's not just doing his job. He's trying to do it the best that he could. You know, the effort level, I don't think, you know, there were, there were some games where, where you've told me after, you know, Marte Saloway, I saw him angry. He was angry yeah. after those games. I don't think I could point to more than two games. even, And I'm even doing that just to give myself a little bit of, of breathing room where I said, Nick Suzuki dogged it tonight. It just, no, it just, does, no, it just it, doesn't happen. It doesn't. I mean, he has off nights like every player does. Yeah. No player plays 82 games and is great every game, 82 games. No player plays all 82 games fully healthy. Nick Suzuki played through injuries or his points this season when he wasn't taking part in some practices or morning skates, nursing something, but he showed up every night, every game he's there, every single game he's there. Luck obviously is involved also. You know, you crash into the goalpost like Josh Anderson did, is in a high ankle sprain. I mean, that's mm. bad luck. You know, Brandon Gallagher slap shot off uh, the ankle in the 14th game of the season, breaks his ankle, bad luck. Um, so he's been lucky also. But it's also a lot of the preparation that goes into, uh, you know, off the ice in the summer, between games, keeping your body healthy. That goes a long way to it also. So a, a mix of luck and keeping himself in good shape, keeping himself prepared, and just that willingness and that desire to show up every day and work hard. And his Ironman streak, I believe, is the fourth longest among current NHL players. Uh, yeah. For anybody to play 82 games, all 82 games in an NHL season is remarkable the way the game is played today. And here's a guy who's done it back-to-back seasons. Yeah, just uh, really, there, there's really nothing negative to say about Nick Suzuki uh, in his first season as captain. I mean, just we, we've said it all at this point yeah. already. So let's let, let's move on. Uh, he didn't uh, – we're going to just go by point by point leaders because uh, that's the way I have it on my screen. Uh, so the next one will be Kirby Doc, and I'll, I'll let you go first. Yeah, Kirby Doc um, for a grade? Yeah. Um, I'd give him a B. Uh, he was – he, it took him a little while to find himself, and Marty St. Louis had him on the wing, he had him at center, he moved him back and forth. But moving forward, he's going to be a center. And what a great trade that Kent Hughes made to get him, to get Kirby Doc. 
disappointing time in, in Chicago, the time he was there, third overall pick. It just didn't work out for him there. It's easy to forget how young these guys are. Yeah. Uh, you know, so Kirby get, uh, as a fresh start for him. And I think back to the video the Canes did from the draft when they made the trade and Kent Hughes was on the phone with Kirby Doc on the cell phone talking to him. And he said to him, he says, one thing I know you're going to love the coach talking, you know, we're looking forward to having you. We want to have you here. You're going to like the coach. And he did. And Marty St. Louis was able to bring the best out of Kirby Doc that we've seen so far in the NHL. He can be a dominant force. He's hard to get the puck off of. He works hard in both ends. He can control the puck. He's got great vision. Uh, he's got an ability to play with smart hockey players like Suzuki and Caulfield and guys like that. But moving forward, he's going to be a centerman. And whatever the potential was that Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon signed him to make the trade to get him, and then their ace card is Marty St. Louis, who can who seems to have an ability to get the best out of guys. I mean, look Cole Caulfield, but it was a different player after uh, when Marty St. Louis came in. You know, he, he couldn't score before. And then Marty St. Louis comes in and, he, and, and brings out the best of them. We saw a little bit of Guriano when he first got here. That sort of tailed off a little bit afterwards. But for Kirby Doc, um, he's young. He's going to get bigger and stronger than he is even right now. Um, he seemed when he came in, you know, from interviewing him that he – I couldn't tell if he was sort of nervous or if he was standoffish or whatever it was. And I was talking, it was Arpin Basso, I think I was talking to, he made a good point. He said, he's a guy who had been bashed so much in Chicago uh, when he was there. And he probably came here with something to prove again. And I think he sort of had his guard up. Uh, yeah. But as the season went on, that guard seemed to come down a bit as, as his game seemed to improve. And he got, I think he maybe got his confidence back. You know, he went through a rough time in Chicago, probably lost some confidence. And Marty Sinley was able to bring the confidence back. I remember he had that extended stretch where he was out. And when he came back, St. Louis put him on the wing the first game. And some people were freaking out. He's supposed to be the center. Why are you playing him on the wing? And Marty St. Louis had a great answer. Like, yeah, you can disagree or agree with some of the decisions Marty St. Louis makes, but he always has a good explanation for why he did it. Mm. And he said, his first game back, he missed a lot of time. He didn't want to have him worried about all the defensive assignments that come with the center. Put him on the wing. I think it was a Suzuki that game. Give him a good chance to get his back in, feeling good, touching the puck. And then the next game he was back at center and moving forward, he's going to be a center and just a great, great acquisition. Uh, I give him a B because I just think that he, he, it took him a little while to find himself here. Uh, but I think next season, the Canadians, I'm sure are expecting big things from Kirby doc. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. You know, we're two for two. I was going to, the, the letter I had in my head was B as well. Uh, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was a good move right off, right when they announced the trade at the draft, I go, that is a very, very interesting move. Mm -hmm. uh, because if, for all the reasons you pointed out, this guy is a former third overall pick and yeah, he didn't do great in Chicago, but he had flashes of brilliance over there. And how many times have I had you on? And, you know, one of the points I just made was like, I feel like I said it three times, like Kirby doc has arrived. That's it. He is here. He is, he is there. And then, you know, the injuries, I mean, as is for yeah. basically everyone that's not named Nick Suzuki derailed yeah. the season. So, uh, I mean, for the times he was on the ice, uh, definitely a B. My favorite Kirby Doc moment was uh, scoring the shootout winner against Chicago, and just it. It. Yeah. oh yeah, that that yeah. was my uh, that was my favorite Kirby Doc. But that but talk about confidence. The that, that's the confidence and a little bit of the cockiness coming back coming back to him, right? And there's nothing wrong with being a little bit cocky when you can back it up. And he went in there, he backed it up, and good for him. 
Well, that's it, you know, and you need that, especially as a professional athlete. I mean, because you'll mm-hmm. just get eaten alive by, you know, anyone. So, you know, you you even see like little glimpses of like Nick Suzuki. You'll catch like a still frame of him, you know, yapping at someone. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yeah, this guy is, uh, he's got, he's he got a, quiet, a dog in Suzuki him. has a quiet confidence. He's, he's a, exactly. Everything he does, he's, a, he's just a quiet, he's a quiet kid. He's not a big talk. Everything he does is quiet, but he's, he's quiet, confident. He's quite strong. He's a lot stronger than I think a lot of people realize he is. Uh, quiet confidence. He's so smart. He's just he's, he's the sort of quiet, solid performer. Yeah, that's it. I mean, uh, and the the next one, not so much of a quiet, solid performer. I, I would call him quite loud with his play. Uh, and you know, a, kind of a maybe a little bit of a fan darling. Definitely a fan darling. Little bit of a media darling when the when the when the good times are happening. Uh, Cole Caulfield. I'm gonna give him uh, for the times he was on the ice and for the times he played in the 46 games. I'm gonna give him an A. He's my second A, and he's the only other A that I'm gonna be giving. Because again, I mean, he was on pace uh, before he went down uh, with that shoulder injury. Well, he's on pace for what forty-five goals prorated. Yeah. So, any any player who scores forty-five goals, you can't really give him anything less than an A. Especially, uh, you know, the Canadians. I don't even remember the last time they had a forty-goal scorer, uh, let alone forty-five, fifty-goal scorer. It's been a long time. Uh, it's certainly, I don't think fifties happened in my lifetime. So, no, uh, it was the last one. Yeah. Well, there you go. So, you know, uh, I give him an A. I just thought he was fantastic. Every Anytime he – he had his off nights as well, I found. Um, mm-hmm. You know, That's especially – Exactly. And especially – they were a little more apparent when the power play – I mean, it was a whole – it was a thing all season. But when it was really, you know, at the forefront of, uh, of things going wrong with this team, you know, it, it kind of felt like – Cole Caulfield struggled with that a little bit. I feel like quietly he took some onus on that because he knows he was the trigger man and, you know, everyone's looking for him on the ice. But all that being said, I, I mean, you ju- I got to give him an A. Yeah, he's, guy can score goals. I mean, that's like crazy. <laughs> and it's funny, I had dinner before the game, a re- couple of games ago, I had dinner at the Bell Center Media Lounge. I was sitting with Brian Mudrick and Dave Poulin, who cover the under-18 championships uh, every year for TSN. And they were saying how, they had seen Caulfield play in that tournament and they were both saying like, right then you knew Dave Poulin, you know, played in the NHL. He's been a management. He's seen a lot of hockey. He said, they knew, he knew right then this kid would score in the NHL just by the way, even that he said, the pass doesn't have to be perfect. The chance can be, it can be like an opening that much. He just, he, he gets, he pass can be bouncing. The pass can be behind them. The pass can be in front of him. He knows how to finish. He knows how to shoot. He knows how to score. And that's a, a skill that you can't, can't really teach and the chemistry that him and Suzuki have together, as I mentioned before, how many more points Suzuki would have had if Caulfield had remained, had played, I'm saying at least 15, I think. And, um, uh, you know, Caulfield was on pace, I mean, 40, probably 40 goals, maybe pushing 50, depending how the season went. The concern with him, of course, he had the shoulder injury. He's not the biggest guy in the world. You mm-hmm. wonder, and you wonder like one of the things today is kind of, doesn't have a new contract yet. I thought today might be perfect day to announce it, right? Everything, Send the players off into the offseason. Yeah. Every fan's feeling good. You know, Cole Caulfield signed. And Herm Zerkowski asked him the question in the scrum, you know, do you have a contract yet? And you went, nope. Like, it wasn't, <laughs> it was like a, it was a mix of disappointment and like just reading his body lines the way he said it. Like, I think he probably thought it would be done by now also. Uh, but that's the dilemma sort of Kent uses in now. Like, how much do you pay him? Do you pay him more than your captain, Nick Suzuki? You know, he hasn't, 
Crawford hasn't played a full season really yet. He's been hurt once. Like how, how much do you give him and how much length? And it's, it's a gamble on both sides. Like is Nick Suzuki willing to not take a long-term deal and take a shorter term deal, hoping he can make more money moving forward and then maybe get hurt and you don't. So there's a lot of, a lot of things for both sides to weigh here. But to get back to our point here, I mean, yeah, he, I, I thought he was an athlete. He did uh, when he was on the ice. He was he was outstanding. Yeah, and you, and you know, just to pick up uh, quickly on what on what you said about the contract situation. I mean, I, he doesn't strike me. I mean, he's going to be a great player, and and I think you know both sides want to get it done here. So I mm-hmm. think it will get done. Uh, it's just a, it's just a matter of you know it's really it's just money so it's it's dollars it's dollars that are gonna you know it'll it'll happen you know I'm well sure. the, the, it, it you'd think it would but the longer it drags on your memories of the offer sheet for Kakenyemi offer sheets don't happen a yeah. lot but if you're another gm and you want i mean there's not a lot of you see the potential in a cool coffee and you make a ridiculous offer sheet to make it difficult for the canes to match that's why I think the sooner the Canes can get this taken care of, uh, the better. Yeah. And I thought the fact it wasn't announced today, I was like, okay, this isn't going as smooth as probably both sides had hoped at this point. Yeah. I mean, I, I still, I still expect it to get done. It's just, you know, maybe he, maybe he wants more than, uh, maybe he wants more than, um, than Nick Suzuki. Nick Suzuki is, uh, I mean, I don't know. Maybe he's the internal uh, cap limit. You know, they're 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 making a hard stance on that. Who knows uh, what it, what it may be? But he's not he's not at the level. The potential is there. It's hard to argue. But you know, concrete. What has he done? He's not that blank check type of player just yet. No, you know, I think he might, a lot he might of the, be. I mean, Kent Hughes said he won't discuss contract negotiations while they're going on. Once the contract is signed, he's willing to discuss how they got to the point yeah. they are, but it could also be the Canes want to lock him up long-term eight years. And he only wants to sign two years and gamble on himself. Sort of like what PK Subban did and, and hope the next contract's even bigger. So there's a lot of things, possibilities, but the certainty at this point is it's not going as smoothly or as quickly as probably both sides had hoped it would. So let's, let's move on to the next guy. Uh, another new, uh, new face in town. Well, kind of returning to town, you know, it was Mike Matheson. Uh, wow. I, I, you know, I really, I didn't know quite what to expect from him when he came into the lineup because, and it's, and it's kind of tough because, you know, when the Canadians were starting five rookie defensemen by the time he came back um, on, onto the ice and, you know, he, just I don't know what I was expecting. I was expecting the blue line as a whole to get better, but man, oh man, he he really impressed me this year. I mean, just even last night, you know, yeah, the game didn't mean uh, much if anything, but you know, going end to end, deking around uh, some Boston Bruins, trying to make plays happen, crashing into the net. That's uh, that's pretty uh, it's pretty amazing. And he also just uh, just to go with it, you know, thirty four points in forty eight games is pretty it's pretty damn good for a defenseman. So uh, I'm gonna go with uh, B plus for the uh, hometown boy of Mike Matheson. Yeah, and and career high in points despite missing so many games. Forty eight <clears throat> games. The thing with him is that his skating is his game, right? And then he had that abdominal injury at training camp, which delayed the start to the season. Then he had a groin injury. Then he came back and injured the groin again. So he, he wasn't healthy. So he struggled early in the season. And part of it was because the best part of his game, he couldn't do it. He couldn't, he couldn't, uh, the skating was limited because of the injuries. And then the last part of the season, especially after the all-star break, I mean, boy, we, we saw the skating ability and we saw his confidence grow 
how we saw him get better game after game after game. Um, I'd give him a B as opposed to B plus just because of the way he struggled at the beginning, but it's not his fault. Like the injury was related to it also, but he's a guy who is, he's, he's going to play a big role on this team moving forward. And he was asked today at his age, you know, does he still think he can be at his peak performance when this team gets to the point in the rebuild where they can contend to be a contender in the playoffs every year? And he said he does. I mean, that doesn't surprise. I agree. He's in an amazing physical shape. Like he's, he's in a, a I mean, he never gets tired. I mean, Marty St. Louis said he goes up, he goes back, he goes up, he goes back. He never, there's a couple overtime games. I think he was on the ice for four minutes of the overtime. And I remember one specific game, he made a rush. He was like two minutes into a shift at least, made a rush, got caught. And I was like, oh boy, this is done. And then he just raced all the way back and got back and made a defensive play. This is like two minutes into a shift in three on three. So he's going to play a big role in this team moving forward. Also from a leadership standpoint, uh, I spoke with him the other day, and he was talking about, you know, how Nick Suzuki, we were talking with him earlier, the pressure on Nick Suzuki. Like, the guys come in the room every day, and there's a list of who the media wants to talk to, and Nick's name's always at the top of the list. And Matheson sort of tried to help him in that regard. The fact he's bilingual makes him – the French media really wants to speak to him because there's not that many guys who can speak French in the room. So uh, he had a great quote, Matheson. It's not fair to leave it all to one guy. It's a team game. You shouldn't have one guy having to be the voice every day. And he's happy to do that role. So he's, he's going to be a really, really important player uh, in this team moving forward. And another great trade by Kent Hughes. I mean, Jeff Petrie's had a yep. so-so year. And Mike Matheson, younger, cheaper, loves playing in Montreal. His wife's happy in Montreal. So it's all good with Mike Matheson. Wow. Stu Cowan disrespecting the other part of that trade, Ryan Paling. Um, (laughs) I think everyone forgot that he was a part. Exactly. I think everyone forgot that he was a part of that trade. Another one of those Um, uh, wonderful Habs first round draft picks from the. Yeah, there you go. Um, (laughs) So uh, let's move on. We don't have to spend too much time on this next one. I mean, you know, Mike Hoffman, 34 points in 67 games, also felt the injury bug a little bit this year, as did, you know, with everyone. I'm going to just you know, C I'll give him a C I'll, 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 yeah. I'll, I'll devoid him of the C minus and I'll give him a C. He, he, him a C. he, he, he is who he is. He is who he is. He's a C hockey player in the NHL. He's is he, his thing is he has that shot and you can score. And if he's not scoring a lot, didn't score a lot this year. He's, he's, he is who he is. He's a C to me. He's a C hockey player in the NHL. And that's yeah, one of the reasons I, I think can't, can't use it. Love to move him, but it's 4.5 million. If I'm not mistaken with the one year left on his yeah. contract. Can be hard to move a player like that. So the well, you know, you know come, come, come trade deadline, you know, again, it's all the points we were making because you oh, know, well, trade it, deadline, yeah. I mean, same with, I mean, we'll get to draw Anderson yeah. later, but I mean, his value will be higher at the trade deadline than it would be this summer, also. So that's two guys yeah. that are probably in that same boat. Next one, kind of interesting because kind of, I mean, he he came into town a couple of years ago and, you know, a lot of people were expecting big things. It was the famous quote by Mark Bergevin, we're going all in, uh, Josh Anderson. I, I, it's, it's tough, but I'm i I'm not an, e- I'm not a, an easy guy to please. I'm going to give him a C plus. Uh, I thought, you know, all the off ice stuff, all the intangibles in that, I thought he was great. He was great last year. You know, he's a leader. He's in the room. He's been here now. It feels like for a while, but it's not for a while. And, uh, you know, he stepped up at big moments this year. Um, But again, just he is who he is. And, uh, 
you know, 30 points, uh, 32 points in 69 games is uh, not exactly a great point, a great point total. So uh, he's, he, he found his scoring touch a little bit with the 21 goals, but still uh, looking for more consistent efforts out of Josh Anderson. So uh, C plus. I'm going to give him uh, maybe a B minus because mm-hmm. he his game evolved this season with Marty St. Louis. He sees the game differently. He's, he's, he's grasped onto some of the concepts Marty wants to play as opposed to just putting his head down and going as fast as he can up and down his wing and going hard to the net. Uh, he's become a more sort of an all-around hockey player. And also what he means in the locker room I think is a lot. I think it's underestimated how important he is to this team uh, from a leadership standpoint, how respected he is in the room and how much he wants to play in Montreal. He doesn't want, he, he loves playing for the Canadians. And there's, there's a, there's a va- big value in that, especially with this young team when they're trying to build this camaraderie and have, you know, we've heard for so long, how many guys don't want to play here. They don't want to be in Montreal. They have mm. Montreal on their no, the list of teams for no trade cons. Here's a guy who, when his dad grew up in the West Island, there's a huge Habs fan that factors into it. And, yeah, Peter Mahovlich is a, a relative and still a friend of his, and that weighs in. But I think with, with Josh Anderson, I, I mean, I've written columns. I wrote a column a little while ago of why I wouldn't trade him. Everybody's ready yeah. to, to trade him. Then you're going to be looking for another Josh Anderson to fill his role. And guys have got a hard to find. So I'll, I'll say B minus then. You know, uh, that I'll agree with. Like, it's just because I gave him a C, a C plus, it doesn't mean, uh, you know, I'm looking to trade him because I agreed with that yeah. column. I, I think they shouldn't. I, I, I agree with the a move not to trade him because that is, uh, again, it's just a very rare type of player to get and to have mm-hmm. on your team. And, you know, if, you know, teams fear that in the playoffs. So I, I just just need to make it clear. I thought it was a little bit of an underwhelming, you know, there were there was more good than bad, but still not enough for me to be like, okay, this is the Josh Anderson that, uh, you know, Mark Bergevin had envisioned when he uh, had signed him. Oh, the oh, everyone's favorite player to talk about, uh, you know, depending on what side of the coin you are. Let's, uh, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's uh, not, again, we're not going to spend too much time on the rest of the guys on the team, but uh, Jonathan Drouin, you know, I, I'll, I, I'm going to give him, I'll give him a C, you know, C minus. Well- I'll go C minus. He finished second on the team in assists despite all the games that he missed. Uh, yeah. Only two goals, though. I mean, that's when you're paying the kind of money you're paying Jonathan Drouin. Yeah. He's got to score more goals than that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the thing with Jonathan, the effort level was there. Like, that's yeah. one of the things people have knocked on him in the past is that he doesn't work. He, he worked hard. He worked hard. He tried hard. Um, the goals didn't come. He had lots of chances he missed. But, I mean, you still, he's got to score more than two goals. Um, but the, the assists were there. He really, and, and he had injury issues too. Again, uh, when he came back from the last injury he played, I thought he, he was okay. Like Jonathan Drewing, people love to dump on him, and and the obviously the contract weighs into that. Yeah, <clears throat> so taking away the what he made and just looking at how he played, um, I, I, I'd give him a C also. Yeah, it, it, and that's the thing, you know, is you said it yourself. The The effort level was totally there this year. I don't think anyone can make the case against that. And I think people are just, you know, the fans that love to dump on him, are they're always going to dump on him. And that's just the way it is because and, you and know, despite the everything he, he was just a very easy target this year, you know. It's his last year here and, uh, you know, that that's what it is. 
despite everything he's gone through, he, you know, I asked him today if you know there's one word he can use to describe his time in Montreal. And he said, "Great." He says he 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 he's, he's happy here. His wife and his kids, and yeah. despite all the pressure he went through and everything he went through personally and whatnot. Uh, one of the questions I asked him about staying here, he almost you can see he was almost tearing up a little bit. Um, he doesn't want to leave Montreal. He said he'd like to stay, but I think it'd be, I don't think he's going to stay here. And I think it's probably best for him to go somewhere else to and get a fresh start. And uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, but I don't think he'll be back with the Canadians. Yeah, I, I don't either. Uh, it, it wouldn't, I mean, it would surprise me if, if it's, if it's would or would not, it would. But uh, I mean, I don't know. It, it's, I feel bad. I feel bad for the guy because, you know, if he is brought back, he's just going to get dumped on again, whether he's making 700 grand or $7 million, you know, obviously he's not going to make 7 million, but you know what I'm getting at. So I, I, I just felt bad that, you know, it's, he's an easy target to go after because of the money he's making. But this year, you know, the results on the score sheet in terms of goals were not there, as you said, but you know, he, you can't knock him. He did he, every game he was out there. He was visibly trying. You know, and that's uh, that's really in a season like this, all you could ask for um, feels like I haven't seen this guy play in a very, very long time, uh, even though he played 64 games. But Christian Dvorak, uh, again, another C for me, uh, you know, again, good moments. But uh, that was one where it's just the he is who he is, you know. Yeah, me, uh, me, it's a C minus because you just you expect more from him. You know, the sort of the, when they, when Philip, they lost Deno, they, like some people thought he was an upgrade on, would be an upgrade on Philip Deno. <laughs> and, uh, who, you know, and Philip Deno was the most, I think the most underrated player on the Canadians. I mean, I, I was a big Philip Deno fan. I think he's a kind mm. of player. We're talking about Josh Anderson, hard to replace guys like that. Guys like Philip Deno are hard to replace too. And Christian Dvorak hasn't come close to replacing what Philip Deno brought to the Canadians. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just the the, the comparison is uh, it's just a little out of whack. Just because you know, I feel like people have had the assumption that he just played a, a more defensive game. But man, you know, you have a guy in Philip Deneau that's you know leaving uh, leaving uh, leaving Connor McDavid shotless multiple times in a season against the Canadians. Uh, no, you you can't really put a price on that. And what he did in the playoffs. Uh, and with the work, I wonder if he was almost overwhelmed here. He's been almost overwhelmed with the yeah. market. You go from playing in Arizona, right? You, you practice. And, you and this guy, and he's a quiet guy to begin with. Yeah, you, you go play golf afterwards. Nobody knows who you are. Nobody cares if the Coyotes won or lost where you live. You know, you just say yeah. a little bit of, Simple, nice, easy life, right? Show up, you play hockey, you go home, you forget about hockey. Nobody reminds you about it. Nobody knows. Half his neighbors probably don't even know who he is. You know, yeah. the, the coyotes, who are they type of thing. And then you come here. And I think he, I think he honestly, I think he might've just been overwhelmed a little bit by this market. Yeah. It's uh well, I mean, we'll see. He's uh, he's still got a, a couple of years left, I believe, on his contract. So uh, whether he uh, stays or goes remains to be seen. Uh, we got our second defenseman. I was a big fan of this guy this year. I mean, really huge, huge fan, especially at the beginning of the season. David Savard, B, B, straight. Just uh, give him a B. That's a three point three in university. No, that's a three. That's a three in university on the GPA scale. Um, 
just from the beginning of the season, the way he stepped in block leading the league in block shots. And, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of block shots, but it just showed on a team, like the way the Canadians were and the way things were going at the beginning of the season and all the expectations, the way he came into this season and said, no, we're still a team. We're still playing hockey. We're still trying to win games. And, you know, there were moments, uh, you know, against Colorado, he was mad after that first period pissed off. Uh, for the way they played. So uh, he gave it every game he was on the ice. Uh, he was another one that was uh, when he was the, when he was on the ice with the team, very, very consistent. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I wrote a column about a month ago saying why he was going to get my Jacques Beauchamp trophy vote. And I was happy to see yesterday that he won the Jacques Beauchamp trophy as the unsung hero for the team because he really was that. That's exactly what he was. He was huge with the five rookie defensemen in the lineup. We mentioned Matheson yeah. wasn't around for so long. Um, Edmondson wasn't around. Uh, he was the veteran guy with all these kids. And Caden Gooley, as his career goes on, and you know, if he goes on to be an all star or whatever he goes on to be, I'm sure at the end of Caden Gooley's career, which is a long way away, but yeah. I'm, I'm sure when people ask him, you know, who, who played the biggest role or who played the biggest impact in you early in your career becoming the defenseman, I'm sure David Savard will be the first or second person he mentions. Because David Savard, you know, Gouley almost made the team last season out of training yeah. camp with Savard. They paired him up again this year. And he was just, he was sort of, as a column I wrote there, sorry about yesterday, he, he'd be, he was like the father figure on the team, the big brother, whatever you want to look at it. Uh, he's such a calm guy. Um, took these kids under his wing. <clears throat> Caden Gouley, go do your thing. Go skate. Go run all over the place. I'll be here. I'll back you up. I'll be back here. And as I wrote the story about uh, yesterday, in junior, David Savard was an offensive-minded defenseman. He had seven, more than a point a game. And then he said that with Marty's concepts in his new system, it's been a challenge for him to sort of pick up his game because he had become a defensive defenseman with Columbus, and that was what he was known at. But he's shown offensive abilities this season. He's made some the toe drag moves and a couple of yep. moves yeah, and passes. Yeah. And, and as Marty said, we said his feet aren't fast, but his mind is fast. He thinks the game quick. He knows where to be. He plays positions. He blocks shots like crazy. Uh, he ranked eighth, I think, in the NHL in block shots. It's like missing like 20 games. So a uh, big, big guy in the penalty kill. Just a real huge presence in the locker. We were talking about Nick Suzuki earlier as a young captain. David Savard helped played a big leadership role. He, he was sort of the captain of the defenseman, right? He was the guy that uh, that really played a big role for them. So, yeah, I agree with you, B. <coughs> and, you, and you know what? It's... It, at 32 years old, and for Martin St. Louis to say he thinks the game very, very fast, um, those are guys that could stick around for a while yes. because they're, they adapt. They know how to adapt because there's some guys, once the legs go, it's very clear they can't play anymore in the NHL. Uh, you know, at 32 years old, if you could think the game, you could put yourself in the right position, kind of like, I mean, different type of defenseman, but kind of like how Andre Markov played, you know, as he got older, not able to skate as well as he once did, especially with the injuries, but he knew where to be on the ice to play to his own strengths. And that's exactly how I see David Savard. Well, I remember when they changed the rules a few years ago there and you couldn't block the first four checker. You know, anybody mm. used to go, they dump it in and you block. And <clears throat> talk with an NHL scout I really respect. And I was saying, boy, this is going to be tough for guys who can't defense when you can't skate fast. You can't pivot, turn, get back, get the pocket, yeah. move it. He said, no, it's going to be harder for defense when we can't think quick. And as he got the example at the time, he said, Chris Pronger isn't the fastest skater, but he will won't be a problem for him because before he even gets the puck, he knows what he's going to do with it. 
And then the other player, defense you brought up, the same thing, Sheldon Suri. So Sheldon Suri is a quicker skater, but he doesn't think the game as quickly. So it's going to be harder for him. So David Savari thinks the game really quick, and that's really important as a defenseman, especially in today's NHL. So uh, let's move on to our uh, our next name. We're we're gonna skip over a couple guys. Uh, you know, like we could go rapid fire on the. Let's go rapid fire on the next uh, two. Uh, I'll give Harvey Bedard. You know, I'll give him a, a B for his time. I mean, he was pretty good, and uh, just he didn't play long enough for me to give him an A. So uh, he'll get a B for me and uh, Jake Evans. I'll give a. Uh, a, a C minus. I'm, I'm kind of, yeah, I was not as Jake Evans. Fan. I was mentioning this to somebody uh, yesterday that Jake, Ev- I, I like Jake Evans as a hockey player. He's a really solid fourth line center, but I was, he didn't, he didn't have a good season. He'd probably be the first one yeah. to admit that uh, Harvey Pernard, I'd give him a B plus because he, when, when Cole Coffin went down, Marty St. Louis said, we don't just need to have somebody who can replace his goals. We need to have somebody who can replace his enthusiasm. And I think Harvey Pernard did both of those things. Yeah. I think he came in here. He's a really energetic guy, enthusiastic guy. Made the most of every single opportunity he got. Made the opportunity when he first got up here. They, they put him on the line with Suzuki. He made the opportunity. Like, it's going to be interesting to see where Harvey Pernard fits in this lineup next season. I'm certain he's going to be on the team. Is yeah. he going to be? I don't think he's going to be on the first line, but I don't think he's going to be on the fourth line either. He's just, he's, he's got, he can score. We talk about Cole Caulfield. He's not Cole Caulfield's level. You know, they call him Lavallagher and Laval because he plays like Brendan Gallagher, and he does. But I think he's got better hands and, and uh, better offensive thinking than yeah. Brendan does. I mean, Gallagher's goals are mostly they travel, what, a foot, right, two feet. In the crease, he bangs yeah. them in. But Harvey Pernard can score from further out, and he's, he, he sees the game. He, he has more of a, uh, a better offensive mind or thinks the game quicker offensively than Brendan Gallagher does. Yeah, and you know what? Let, let's let's go with him next, uh, Brendan Gallagher. I'm gonna give him, you know, and it's tough because you know with the, it's it's tough because the price tag of the player comes along with the grade, and that, yeah. that 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 just comes along with expectations. And I know he's not the same player he once was, and it was the last regime that gave him the contract. But I, I still, it pains me to do it, but I gotta give him. Um, he didn't make it quite into the d's but he'll he's gonna get a c minus uh if the effort level wasn't there which is never in question for brandon gallagher uh he would have been in the d's but uh you know just the c minus a very very tough season it started off it looked like he was back at the beginning the first few games it looked like he was there uh but then you know just father time catching up and the 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 way he plays just caught up to him well, after today, I'm going to give him a C just because I broke the same ankle twice and yeah, kept trying yeah, well, to play that, through it. Typical Brendan Gallagher. Brendan Gallagher is his own worst enemy, right? Broke his ankle, tried to play through it, played three games on a broken ankle, took eight games off, came back on the broken that thought the ankle had healed, came back, broke it again. So it's hard. <laughs> you know, it's, the, the effort level is always A for Brendan Gallagher. Yeah. So, yeah. For, uh, so that's, you know, it's it's – I find it, when, when a guy's effort level is that high, um, the lowest I'll give Brandon Gallagher is a C. So the next two, very uh, two two very intriguing, exciting, interesting names, Caden uh, Gooley, uh, so close to giving him uh, an A, but you know I got to give him the B plus. Uh, just. He he just gets a B plus. He was very solid. He looked like when he stepped on the ice, the first ten games, I want to say, he looked like he had been playing for four years already in the NHL. It was incredible to watch. He is going to be such a mainstay staple of that blue line for so many years to come. And the next one, Jordan Harris. 
uh, ups and downs, kind of invisible some nights, kind of visible some uh, some others, and invisible not in the good way uh, for the type of defenseman he is. C plus because it was his first full year, a full ish year, we'll call it. I'll give him a C plus, and uh, Caden Gooley gets the B plus. Um, yeah, Gooley. I mean, and one of the reasons he looks so good is because of David Savard, as I was uh, yep. mentioned earlier. But uh, Caden Gooley, what a bright future this kid's going to have. I mean, he almost made the team last season. Hopefully, with all the injuries, I mean, he's got a, he's got braces. I think on both knees, yeah. has a high ankle sprain. He's a young guy. It's going to be a long summer. That's a good thing. You'll have time to time to heal up. And for Jordan Harris, as a person, I give him an A+. Plus. He's, he, he might oh, yeah. be the nicest. Yeah. I've told my wife this and other friends. He might be the nicest kid I've ever met. And I'm not talking sports. He's just he's the nicest. Yeah. He's, he's such a nice, humble, smart kid. But uh, from his honest performances, yeah, I give him a C. I think, and he, I think he would agree with that. He wasn't – he was okay. He wasn't great. Um, but – I think the future is bright for both of these guys. They're different. Caden Gooley is more of the all-around defense. He can be physical. He can do it. Caden Gooley can do everything, right? He, he, has yeah, ability yeah. To be, he has ability to be a big star in the NHL. And I think Jordan Harris is one of those defensemen who could have like a 15-year career in the NHL just being that smooth skating guy who can move the puck, smart player, thinks the game quick like we were talking about earlier, um, does things right. Uh, I don't think he's ever going to be the big star player. But just because of, of the, the way he thinks the game, the way he can skate, the way he can move the puck, uh, I think uh, he's, he'll have a long career, I think, in the NHL. He's going to be a successful hockey player. Yeah, and, and like you said, just, uh, you know, you, you, you got to see him on the day-to-day. The biggest yeah. thing that sticks out to me was when uh, I believe it was – I don't want to get the event wrong because uh, I'm going to look like an idiot. But I want to say it was after the whole uh, – I forget I was the Stahl brothers, uh, you know, refusing to wear yeah. pride. Mm-hmm. And he, he spoke out. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. And he spoke out. And I really respected that. I, I really respected what he said and how he did it. And he just, he said what it was on his mind, which we beg for hockey players to do. So, you know, that is a kind of, that's the type of guy that will be make a long career just by the way he conducts himself as a professional. Well, I might have told you this quote. I mean, Rob Ramage at the training camp this season, he was asked about Jordan Harris, and he said, if Jordan Harris wanted to be president of the United States, he could probably win. He's just, he's that, kind of, <laughs> he's just he's that kind of a, a, of a personality. He's just he's, he's smart, and, and, and as I say, he's, he's, he's one of the nicest kids I've ever met. So no no disrespect to the players that we're going to you know jump over but we're going to group some together now uh so I'm going to go the, the next the next group we're going to go with a group of 3 we'll go Justin Barron uh Jonathan Kovacevic and Pizetta Pizetta's kind of like one of those guys like Gallagher the effort level is always there I find he always plays his shift like it's his last He's a fourth line player, very pretty serviceable one. Uh, I, I'll give him a, I'll give him a C. Hopefully, he can find his way back into the organization in the future. Kovacevic, uh, also a C minus, I guess. You know, just not really the type of player this team needs at this point on the blue line. And Justin Barron, from what I saw, uh, he has the potential to be such a good defenseman. Oh my God, this guy can has the offensive abilities. Uh, you know, the, it, he just looks like a really good player. I, I really hope it works out for him. I'll give him from the times he was on the ice. I'll give him a B minus. 
I'll give yeah, Baron. Best thing, I mean, he was did not look good in training camp. Yeah, uh, they just tried to did everything to make the team, and he he just didn't play well enough. Went down to Laval, uh, didn't pout about it. Um, we were mentioning Ryan Paling before. Remember when he got sent down to Laval and he pouted and whined and everything else? He went down there, worked at his game, came back. He looked he looked better every game. He like he's getting more confidence. Um, yeah, so I agree with that. Kovacevic, I'd give a B minus because I think he for a guy they picked up on waivers and yeah. had only played four games in the NHL. I was watching a game with my son. Uh, it was one of the road games. We're watching on TV, and he says. Oh, he says, I didn't even notice Kovacevic tonight. And I said, that's the biggest compliment you can give him if you're a five, six defenseman and nobody yeah. noticed you. That's that's a compliment. Like, you didn't do anything wrong. You didn't – and that's Kovacevic's game. He's just – he's a, another really smart guy, university guy. I went down to this really smart on and off the ice. And he just – he knows – one of his biggest strengths is he knows his limitations. He knows yeah. what he can and can't do, and he plays the game within his limitations. He doesn't make many mistakes. Uh, I think he finished the season as a plus player, if I'm not mistaken. You take plus minus with a grain of salt, but on a team that wasn't that good. Yeah, he just, exactly. He's, as a, bot- a, a third-pairing defenseman, if you don't get noticed, that's a good thing. And and there were a lot of nights this season where you just didn't really notice him, but he just he makes a lot of smart plays. So I'll give him a B-minus. So not not to you know pile on this next guy, but you know it, it just pre- peaked into my brain. And with all due respect to him, why do I, I know who's coming to, here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you know exactly who's coming just by the way you said it. I mean, uh, let's 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 just go for it. I mean, Chris Weidman. Uh, you know, I'll give him a D minus. I don't want to give him an F because it, it's just I, I I just found. So many times, you know, if you're kind of half paying attention to what's going on in the ice and then you see the Canadians get scored on and, you know, you just it it felt like 50 percent of the time it was it was his his mistake. And, you know, I I feel for him because he was one of the good stories of last year and, and he deserved the contract he got. But, man, he he did. He did not help himself this year. I'm going to give him a C minus only because he. When the Canadians signed him, he's making seven hundred and fifty grand minimum. Yeah. They, gave him, they gave him two years. The reason they gave him two years is because they knew the role he was going to be the seventh defenseman this season, basically. Right? He wasn't going to play. Had all much. things gone? Had all things gone? To had, had all things gone well? Right? So, and and the reason they signed him is because he's such a good guy and well liked in the room. He's not going to. You can make him a healthy scratch for ten games. He won't bitch. He won't whine. He'll be a great teammate. He'll support his teammates. When you put him back on the ice, he'll give you everything you got. So. That was the role. He ended up playing a role and playing more games and more ice time than he should have. Uh, As I said, the the effort level, the compete level was there. Uh, But I wrote in a column the other day, like, I I don't think Wyden's going to be back with the Canadians next season. Uh, I don't know what the market would be for the Canadians to try and trade him. I think uh, the scenario I can see happening, uh, you know, Edmondson will be hard to trade in the offseason, I think, still. Uh, they're going to have like eight, eight or nine defense, and I think Wyden will be the odd man out. I can see them putting him on waivers. If somebody claims him, great. If somebody doesn't, he'll go down to Laval, and he'll be great in Laval. He won't whine. He won't that's complain. the perfect spot for him. And, and, and he'll be really good in Laval. Like, the way he can skate and move the puck, if he went down to Laval, he'd be great. Like He'd be really a dominant defenseman down there. Difference to the AHL. So when they signed him, they signed him because of the character he has and because he would accept – you need that guy – Who's not going to, especially on a team with so many young defensemen, 
You don't need a veteran who's a healthy scratch and he's bitching and moaning and complaining or whining to the media. Or yeah. the, you know, He's going to support the young guys as much as he can. And he knows – I mean, he played in the KHL. He was a top defenseman in the KHL. And he came back and he said every day he was in the KHL, all that was in his mind is how do I get back to the NHL? He wasn't happy over there even though he played well. He got back here. So, to me, just because of the – yeah, he didn't have a good season. He didn't play that well. But he – you know, the, the game last night against Boston, he's the first guy to go and cross-check Greer in the ribs. For yeah. The, yeah. You know, he, he's a team. He's a team. He knows his role and he plays his role. So that's, you know, that's 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 the way I feel about Weidman. And I had kind of mixed feelings about, you know, the Canadians and how they, you know, reacted to Toronto putting in the, the e-bug against them or the, the amateur tryout yeah. guy. You know, the one thing I'll say is, yeah, I, I really I thought it was I thought it was a really good clip of what Weidman said, but at the same time, you know, if you don't want that to happen, maybe just don't just play yeah. better and don't lose Weidman, don't Weidman lose seven to one. Weidman wears his emotions on his sleeve. He's a little and guy. And he's that. like a little pit bull. Yeah. I mean, remember last season uh, game in New Jersey when they were running uh, Caulfield and Suzuki, and there was nobody else really around, and Weidman was the guy who dropped the gloves. You know, <laughs> yeah. Weidman's the guy who cross checks Greer in the ribs. Weidman, he's he's a fiery guy. Oh, we uh, seem to. Oh, yeah. We I, I think we lost, may have lost Stu. Uh, oh, he's back. There he is. We got you on. Uh, we got you on mute right now. Uh, still can't hear you, but uh, we'll get that fixed up. I'm sure any second. But uh, you know, I gotta agree with Stu. You know, uh, Chris Weidman. He's uh, been. He's that he, he brings the fire and I respect that a little, I, I respect it a lot actually, especially at the NHL level, but just uh, with the way he went, uh, he, his season went, uh, I just couldn't really uh, give him all that much praise. Uh, four guys left on the list before we wrap it up. We're also going to wrap it up on a very, very positive note. Um, I, I see Stu and uh, Samian and yellow are, are, are trying things out right now. So, uh, I'll, I'll get it. I'll get word if Stu is going to come back. Uh, we're already at 1101 anyways. So, uh, the next guy is going to be Arbor Jack guy. Uh, that, that, Oh, you're back. Okay, great. You're, you hear me now? Yeah, we hear you now. Perfect. That's perfect. All right. So, so the next guy we're going to, I was just uh, saying, I'll give you the floor for him. Uh, we're going to go Arbor Jack guy. Well, Arbor Jack guy. I mean, uh, a B he was, he, yeah. he, he, what a, I mean, what a story, right? Not drafted, uh, comes in one of the five rookies, uh, um, got better, got more confident as the game went, as the season went on. Rangy guy, covers a lot of space, not fun to play against, willing to drop the gloves, good shot, gets the puck through uh, from the point. They use him on the power play. He was effective because he can get the puck through. He, he's smart with the puck. He's really, what a surprise. Like, you know, you realize scouting is not an exact science, and Arbor Jack guy is an example of that. Like, nobody... Despite his toughness and his size, there was still no team who thought he was worth taking a chance, even in the sixth or seventh round. And then he got his opportunity and made the most of it. And you know what? In, I found in the preseason, uh, a lot of people said, wow, this this, this fighter, he could play. And mm -hmm. no, he's a player who happens who to be able to fight. Exactly. So that's the perfect way yeah. of, uh, of putting it for him. Uh, so next player... Uh, you know, one that a lot a lot of people had high hopes for. I'm a fan of his uh, personally. I always love listening to him speak. Very, very unfortunate season for him. Uh, Joel Edmondson. 
you know, it, as much as it pains me, I'm going to, I have to give him a D plus. I mean, just yeah. not a very good no, season was, for Joel Edmondson. No, he was minus 28. I think he finished or something like that. He was just, he, yeah. he really had a hard time. He, you know, I met at the golf tournament. He was named assistant captain. We asked him what his back is. He said, it's good. He said, I'm swinging the golf club. Everything's fine. And they had that freaky collision with Suzuki just before they started training yeah. camp. Threw his back out again. Came back. Threw his back out again. Um, doing anything in life with a bad back isn't easy. Uh, playing pro hockey with a bad back yeah. is really not easy. And it showed. He really struggled. And then when he did come back at the end, he was a guy who was playing like, just let me get through the season and not get hurt again. Like, let yeah. prove to myself that I can play and not get hurt. He wasn't the same physical presence he was when the Canes went to the Stanley Cup final. He's, he struggled. It was a tough, tough season for him. Um, another, as I mentioned, he, he played a big leadership role in the room, uh, helped me out, but yeah. he, he had a hard time in the ice. There was nights that he was he just, it, it just, I think in the back of his mind, it was just, he's thinking about his back and is it going to go out again? And, even the game last night, there was times he was like an easy breakout pass, and he would throw it in the guy's skates, or would throw it ahead of him. It's just he, he's he's not he's not playing the game without thinking about either there is pain or there might be pain or is my back going to go out this shift? Uh, yeah, so it was, it was a tough season for Joel Edmondson. Yeah, uh, and it's tough because you know you you know how important he is at, in the locker room, and you know he he gives it a, he he gives it his all as much as he can, and you know even last night you know he he dropped the gloves. I was yeah, so surprised yeah, to see that. I was incredibly surprised to see that. You know, in the last game of the season, you know that's your summer leader, is that's starting the tomorrow. Leadership thing, that's where the leadership thing comes in, and and it was I mean that cross check that Greer gave in the face was the Hoffman. Yeah, Hoffman. I mean, our one game suspension was a joke. And uh, Math uh, Edmondson just decided that uh, you know, the NHL didn't punish him enough and he was going to punish him. And he, he landed a he landed one really yeah, he landed He landed a couple good ones yeah. on him, I found. Uh, mm-hmm. All right. Uh, we're going to save the most controversial for last i guess we'll call it as the adjective but so we're going to move on to one last one we don't have to spend too much time on this player it's kind of been the same his whole tenure here uh yoel armia uh, you know uh, i'll let you take the lead on that one um, i i'm you know despite the hat trick in a meaningless <laughs> in a meaningless game with an empty net yeah. goal he's the only guy i'm going to give an app just because he's it's so frustrating to watch this guy and with all the ability and the skill level and everything else. And it's just, he, he seems like a super nice guy when you talk to him. Yeah. Big, nice sort of shy guy, but he plays hockey like a big, nice sort of shy guy. And, and it's, 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 it's frustrating to watch at nights. And I'm sure it can be frustrating for some of his teammates also when it's just, it, it's, he's, he's, he is who he is at this point. There's a reason, you know, former first round pick. You see why he was a first round pick. He's got all the skill and talent in the world, but it just, you know, he'll, he'll have a game like, you'll look, go, oh my God, this guy's amazing. And then he puts the invisible man suit back on and you don't see him for 10, 12 games. And, you know, we haven't brought up Guriano, but when Guriano came here, the first few games, he looked great. And from yeah. reading stuff about him, I, I was, there's a lot of similarities to the old army and as a, more and more games went on. I saw them. Like, here's a big guy who skilled, talent, shot. When he wants to play, he can be really good. But there's a lot of nights it looks like he just doesn't want to play. You know, it's, it's... So, 
Uh, I, I and I agree with you. You know, I'll give him the the F as well. It's just the most puzzling player for yeah. that on the Canadians. And you know what? I, I like the I like the way you you put it. You know, he plays as a shy, nice guy uh, mm-hmm. on the ice. We'll call him. You know, it took me. I don't know how long his tenure has been here. He's got to have been here for four years at least. We'll call him now the gentle giant. Um, the next guy, also uh, kind of a giant, the last player we will give a grade to. Uh, kind of tough because, you know, it's been a while since he played, but he had all the expectation of the world on his shoulders. And uh, I don't want to say fell completely flat, but the game wasn't for him this year, we'll call it. And that's Uri Slavkovsky. I'll give you the honors of going first. Um, see. Hmm. Um, I think he wasn't ready to play in the NHL. Um, I thought that right from training camp, rookie camp, he never really stood out, never made me anything to say like, wow, this guy's amazing first overall pick. The game just seemed to move too quick for him. Um, you know, he skates with his head down. He's lucky he got yeah. rocked a few times. If he doesn't learn to pick his head up, he's going to get, you know, when, when you do that, playing as a kid growing up when you're as big as he is, or even maybe some of the European leagues, guys, I remember one of the rookie camps, he, he was skating, he had his head down and somebody went to run him and bounced off him. Uh, in the NHL, they don't bounce off. When they hit you, they hit you. Yeah. Uh, he's just, to me, he, he didn't look ready for the NHL. He's only 18 years old. To me, that's not his. It's not his fault that he wasn't yeah. ready. Not many 18-year-olds are. He's the only guy from this year's draft who really played any top picks who played any really significant time. Uh, you know, Shane Wright. I mean, played a handful of games in the NHL. Ended up back in junior. Um, I think I understand why the Kings started Solskjaer to start the year. The number one pick, the hype. He was drafted at the Bell Center. But I was surprised after it looked like he wasn't ready that after eight games or whatever, they didn't send him down to Laval. Uh, I'm surprised they didn't send him to the World Juniors. Um, so for, you know, for number one overall pick, uh, it's hard to be. I mean, Joe Thornton wasn't great his first year in the NHL as a number one pick. Um, so the effort was there for Slavkovsky. I just I don't think he – it was too big of a jump. You know, yeah. 18 years old, new country – New language, although his English is very good. Smaller rank, bigger, tougher players. You're not the. You might be the biggest guy on the ice still, but you're not necessarily the strongest guy on the ice. You know, mm-hmm. NHL players are strong. Brendan Gallagher is a little guy. He's strong like a bull. As I mentioned earlier, Nick Suzuki's not a big guy, but he's really strong. And um, he's, to me, just he, he wasn't ready uh, to play a full season in the NHL. Uh, he ended up not because he was injured, but he would have if he hadn't been injured. Um, so I'll, I'll give him a C. Like he, he was for an eighteen-year-old kid in his first season. He, you know, he was okay. You know, I'll I'll give him the C as well, and all those those reasons you pointed out, and you know, just for the expectation thing, you know, and it goes back to just because uh, I'm taking a peek at the comment section, and there there's people, you know, being a little hard on him, and just like you said, he's eighteen years old. Yeah. Look no further than Kirby Doc, guy. Yep. Spent three years getting hammered yep. in yep. in Chicago yep. by the media and by fans, and then he gets traded, and now it seems like he's putting it together. And I'm excited to see what he does next season. That's not what you want to happen to Uri Slavkovsky, and especially to a first overall pick, because uh, you know they say in the NFL that if you miss on a first round pick, it sets your team back five years. Mm-hmm. 
imagine what set what drafting a missing on a first overall pick or you didn't miss on him but you traded him away would do to your team that would set your team back uh, quite a few the thing that surprised me Slavkowski and the way the Canes use him this year is that when at, you know lead up to the draft and after the draft and you know Kent Hughes had said that you know he told the scouts I don't want the player who's the best player now I want the player who's gonna be the best player in five years from now or four years from now and Slavkowski might be that guy four years from now. But why they, as I said, I understand why they wanted him to start the season here. Maybe they would have started, he would have played great and played the whole season here. But it was obvious he wasn't ready to play in the NHL. And they decided to keep him here, keep him here anyway. So I just think it would have been, uh, I don't think they did him any real favors, put it that way. I don't know if uh, my that siren that's going on outside is coming Yeah, I don't through. think it's my place. I was wondering. No, no, there there was a fire yeah. truck driving okay. by. Uh <laughs> because I saw I saw you jump a little bit there. Yeah. But uh yeah, uh let you know what? Let's let's end off on a positive before we uh end off here. I appreciate you staying a little late. Mm-hmm. Um but let, let's just pick our favorite moment of this Canadian season. Uh you know, there there are a couple to pick from, but for me it's it's pretty obvious what I'm going to go with. And I think you might have the same answer because we talked about it, you know, at length one week, which was uh, the, the triple low five shared between Carey Price and, uh, and uh, uh, PK Subban on the PK Subban. Uh, I don't want to call it Memorial night, but the, the night that they honored him, you yeah. know, I, I thought that was just a really, really nice night and a night that felt good on a season as a whole, that you could look back on that didn't feel so good. There were good moments, but that was one that, it was a night that genuinely was a great night for the Canadians. Yeah, I'm going to go with the one moment that was a um, a little bit staged. Obviously, they knew they're going to four. Yeah, I'm going to go with Mike Pizzetta riding his stick. I <laughs> love. I absolutely love that. I mean, yeah, I I got a bit of a soft spot for Mike Pizzetta. I always enjoyed talking with him. He's a guy who's you know gives everything he's got. He knows his role. He throw. He hits everything that moves when he's on the ice. And I loved his reasoning for why he did it. You know, some people criticized him, and he said, when am I ever going to get a chance to score the winning goal and yeah. shoot out of an NHL game again? And that will be on highlight reels for, you know, longer than the, the triple uh, low five. Was. I, yeah. I just, oh, yeah. I loved it. I think hockey needs more of that. I think it's sports are supposed to be fun. Uh, it, it, it wasn't done to, to hurt the other team or, or it was just done because he's a guy who had a moment that he probably never would never expected to experience in the NHL yeah. and he made the most of it. And I, I thought it was fantastic. And even the confidence, he said, you know, he was sitting on the bench looking at Burroughs who had coached him in the AHL and, um, Pizzetta had scored two goals on four penalty shots he took while he was playing in the NHL. And he says, I have a move. Like he has one move. <laughs> <laughs> he has that one move. And the, nobody, no NHL goalie had seen it because he'd never done a shootout in the NHL. Yeah, that's he, right. He, got on, he knew the new movie he was going to make. He knew exactly what he was going to do. And he knew how he was going to celebrate it. A tribute to Tiger Williams, who retired before Michael Pozzetto was even born, which makes it even better. I, I, I That moment, I, I I just loved it. I thought it was it was, it was was just really cool. And I was happy and as, as – uh, uh, I was really happy for Pizzetta. I just thought it was a really cool, cool, cool moment. And so, so was the Carey Price and the, and the uh, PK Subban thing. It was sort of a, a slap in the face to the old administration. Yeah. Um, uh, but I, just, I thought Pizzetta's writing the stick was just fantastic. Yeah. The only the the only thing that would have made P- Pizzetta's better, I 
I, I have such a bad memory with these things. I that that game was on the road, right? If I'm mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so the only thing that would have made it, it better Buffalo, if it was at right? home. Yeah. If that, but if it that almost game was at home. home because I mean, yes. it was home. Yeah. It almost was. There was so many Canadians fans in Buffalo that might have factored in a part to why you did it. The other thing that would have made it better is you had thrown off the helmet and let the hair. You know, <laughs> <from> the... <laughs> That's real. That would be real old time hockey right there. Yeah, that would have been. Uh, but it was. It was. It was. As I say, sports are supposed to be fun. And hockey players are so, you know, they're known for speaking cliches and, you know, don't, uh, you know, don't sort of step out of that box that hockey players seem to be confined in. Yeah. Don't show your personality. Don't be, don't make it look like you're showing up the other team. And it was just, it was cool. That's, that was just cool. Yeah, exactly. That, 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 exactly. Sports are fun and uh, doing this is very fun. And Stu, again, just thank you very much for uh, spending your Friday evening with me and uh, with the, with the rest of the sick army. And Hey, we got, we, we got a lot more to go. I mean, we got a lot of things on the top, on the docket. We got May May 8th coming up, which is the draft lottery. We got the actual draft coming up. We got free agency coming up. Uh, the off season may have started in the NHL, but it does not start for us ever. There's no there's no off season for the Canadians in Montreal when it comes to fan interest. It's 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 really is it's 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 amazing. It's 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 almost like a hab sickness in this city. People can't get enough, even when they're in twenty eighth place. Exactly, exactly. Uh, so, Stu, thank you very much, and have a have yourself a fantastic weekend. All right, you too. All right, that was our uh, player grades for the 2022-2023 season. Uh, all right, here we go. Uh, we're, we're just about to end the podcast, but before I do, I have to mention the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero's Task Camp Equipment is supplied by Ericsson Audio, the choice of musicians, engineers, and broadcast professionals. And that's not it. Okay. Uh, I got something really, really fun uh, because I made an unofficial deal with Sammy. Um, so, and yellow, too bad for you. And uh, Sammy, I mean, you didn't agree to it, but you kind of didn't say no. So uh, I don't know. I think it holds and I have the text to prove it. Uh, so what I'm going to say is join our NHL playoff bracket. That's right. The sick podcast with Tony Marinero and Matt O'Han. We're doing an NHL playoff bracket presented by Energy Transportation Group. Click the link in the YouTube description or on our social medias. It is completely and totally free to enter. What do you win? I don't know. You win bragging rights if you win. You know what I win? I win a 200% raise. Thank you very much, Sammy. You didn't say no. So that still holds up in court. Thank you guys for uh, for joining us on you know, every night of the week since we started going five nights a week. It's since I got the opportunity to host Friday nights. I've been having a great time. So thank you very much for joining us, especially the entire season. It's really appreciated. But like I said, we're not going to stop. The sick army doesn't stop. We know you guys want your Habs, your Habs content, and we're going to keep bringing it to you every single day for the foreseeable future. And that's what we do because we love it and we love our Montreal Canadiens. And like I said to Stu, we still got so much to talk about. You know, there's a draft lottery coming up. We didn't even, we, we touched upon the playoffs, but you know, this is a Habs podcast. We, we just threw in a little bit of a sprinkle of the NHL playoffs there, but we'll be certain to talk about those as well. So uh, if you haven't already and you enjoyed the show, please like us on Facebook, uh, follow us on Twitter, subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, if you if you catch your podcasts on Apple Podcasts or uh, or on Spotify, listen to us there. Hit the subscribe button or follow button there. It is very much appreciated. Thank you guys for listening. I'm out.
And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La Vida TV. Embrace your true nature. <laughs>